I mean, that's my goal. I just want to, I, I literally want to grab every human being and look them in the face and go, do you know how incredible you are? Do you know how much you actually accomplish? Do you know how much you can accomplish if you just stop believing the lies that are going in your head about what you're worth? How's it going? So today we are joined by Christina Kuzmich, all the way from LA in the United States. She's the author of Hold On But Don't Hold Still, Hope and Humor from My Seriously Flawed Life. Christina is known as a cheerleader for her fellow humans, and it's not something that she ever anticipated doing. But after immigrating to America from Croatia during the war in her homeland, and later facing more challenges, divorce, single parenting, poverty, depression... Christina wanted to be for others what she wished someone had been for her during her darkest hours. Today, she has over 1 billion video views on YouTube alone, and Christina is providing her audience with encouragement, hope, and humor in a role that ultimately she has grown into, but nonetheless never expected to fill. In 2011, when Oprah crowned Christina the winner of Mark Burnett's reality TV competition, Oprah's Search for the Next TV Star, Oprah said, what is that thing that is so charming and charismatic and connected to the audience that makes you feel like I know her, I want to be her, and I'm like her? Christina has all of that. She is an it plus girl. Add to that over 3 million people on Facebook and a voice and personality that has proven to be a hit with a massive audience from young millennials through to Generation X's and now even the baby boomers. She's been featured in the Huffington Post, The Inquisitor, Cosmopolitan, Us Weekly, Parents, Good Housekeeping, and many, many more other media outlets. So without further ado, The Matt Brown Show is pleased to present Christina Kuzmich. Christina Kuzmich, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So it is late where you are, 11 p.m. over in L.A. I'm here in Johannesburg. It's very early and cold. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna make the most of this situation today. Um, so, um, but yeah, uh, before we get into the meat and the potatoes, just to land some fundamentals, uh, we are broadcasting this live on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and uh, on LinkedIn. So if you are watching this, wherever you're watching this, if you want to engage with uh, our awesome guest today, uh, Christina, just comment or tweet or whatever, and we'll pick it up on our side. And let's try and make this as uh, inter. Can you already hear the the tweets coming in? Or the WhatsApp line, actually, in the background there. <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, as I say, just comment. And then, yeah, let's make this as fun and as interactive um, and as engaging as possible. Uh, if you would like to join on the studio line, you can do that. Uh, the number is up on the screen here. We'll also post it up on the channels as well. So just uh, WhatsApp us if you prefer to engage that way. Okay, it's going to be one of those shows. Alrighty. So, um, Christina, let's um, do the formalities here. So, I know who you are. I've done a lot of research about all the amazing things that you've accomplished to date. Uh, but for those of our uh, audience around the world that potentially don't know uh, who Christina Kuzmich is, why don't you give us the, the headline uh, and the two-minute introduction? Who are you? What are you about? What do we need to know? I am exhausted. And that about sums it up. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I just started out as you know somebody who wanted to share the stuff I've been through. I've been through depression and divorce. I got to a point at one point I had two little kids and I was a single mom and um, couldn't afford anything. I was sharing a small bedroom with them. I was sleeping on a floor, couldn't even afford a bed. Got to a point where I contemplated suicide. And then slowly through a lot of work, uh, because nothing happens overnight. 
got to a place where I'm fulfilled and um, life is good. And I believe everybody who is struggling, whether it's huge struggles or smaller struggles, can get there. And so I just started sharing videos. I started sharing first just the funny stuff, and then I started getting emails from people who were really struggling. And I thought, okay, it's time to get vulnerable and share the messy stuff. And it sort of blew up into this thing that I never, never saw coming. Um, And now through everything I create, whether it's funny funny video, whether it's something serious, whether it's the book I wrote, whether it's the tour that's now not happening because of quarantine, but I will continue after. Um, My goal always is to be for others what I needed when I was at my lowest. And that's sort of the thing that drives everything I do now. Amazing. Um, You know, one of the, well, let's talk about some of the things that have been said about you. And I want to start with Oprah. Um, it's actually something that she literally, I'm quoting her now. She said, what is that thing that's so charming and charismatic and connected to the audience that makes you feel like I know her, I want to be her, I'm like her. And Christina Yu has all of that and she describes you as an it plus girl. Uh, so, which is quite interesting. And then to echo what you said around, you know, sharing your vulnerabilities um, and in the process of doing that, like connecting to people all over the world. Um, to such a degree, you've got over a billion video views on, on YouTube alone. Um, and this is, um, you know, from what I've seen, it's really about providing encouragement and hope. Um, and obviously, you're, you're funny. I mean, you're, the way that you deliver this stuff is, is unique and, and, and different to a lot of the other kind of, you know, you can do it, get over your obstacles and, and that kind of stuff <laughs> narrative, you know. Um, and I wanted to ask you, I know you mentioned that um, it was unexpected, but what do you, how do you see your role now in the, in the connected kind of community that you've built around you? Um. I don't know. It's so strange. I don't see myself still as a public figure or even an influential person in a sense, because I live a very normal life. Um, I'm a very busy mom who still deals with tantrums and teenage attitudes and all of that. Um, But I do think that with a large following comes more responsibility. And so I put a lot of thought into what I put out there. And I really... The way somebody a few years ago nicknamed me a cheerleader for fellow humans. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is my favorite nickname anyone's ever given me. So I see my role more more as that. I I don't know it all. I don't ever want to come off as someone on a pedestal preaching at you, telling you how to live your life. I see my role more as I've been there too. Are you going through something tough? I've been there too. I'm going to hold your hand through it and let's laugh a little and let's open up. But I... I try very hard not to come off as a know-it-all because I still make mistakes daily, every single day. Yeah, I know, me too. And I, I don't think a lot of us make enough mistakes. It's almost like, you know, I've, I've learned that, you know, you can, you, if you find someone successful, you immediately can assume that they've made far more mistakes than most other people. Because yeah. it's, in the, it's in the process of making those mistakes that you learn, well, how not to do things or how to do things. And then as a yeah. process, you grow because like all growth must come from you. Yeah. So um, let's dive. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say one of the things, you know, a lot of times people will say, oh, my gosh, you know, because you have so many followers and views, you get a lot of hate, too. And how do you have the confidence to put yourself out there and all that? And back to that whole thing of making mistakes. I am so comfortable with the fact that I'm flawed 
I'm so comfortable with the fact that I'm human, which means I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not going to know it all and all of that, that I don't feel the need to impress anyone. I don't feel the need to be liked by everyone. And so there's a freedom that comes when you get to that point where you feel like you can be vulnerable and you're okay because you know who you are and you've accepted your flaws and you're good with it. Yeah. Um, how do you accept your flaws? I was actually going to ask you that later, but let's, let's kind of do that one now. Um, because we're, we're all flawed human beings trying to, you know, navigate this very complicated kind of complex human existence. Um, and so many of us, um, we don't, uh, you know, double down on our flaws at all. We double down or we look to double down on what we're good at versus say what we're not good at. And so I wanted to ask you, like, what have you learned about that dichotomy? Like, should to what extent should we focus on our weaknesses versus say focusing on our strengths? Well, I think there's two parts to that. One is, I think for some reason we are, from, when we're young, maybe it's through school and getting grades or, you know, whatever, we're sort of brainwashed that we're supposed to be good at everything. We're supposed to be, in a sense, perfect. And when we start making mistakes, you know, it's kind of like parenting is a perfect example. Mm. Somebody will have a kid and then the kid is crying or they, you know, they don't know how to answer that thing or they don't know how to deal with their teenage or whatever. And all of a sudden the parent starts feeling like they're failing because why, why can't I get this right? Why, what is wrong with me? And what I've, what I've learned is that we're not failing. We're learning. Like, how are you supposed to know how to parent when you've never parented before? Right. How are you supposed to know how to deal with a teenager when you've never dealt with a teenager? How are you supposed to know how to deal with this quarantine, a pandemic when you've never done it before? And so we keep beating ourselves up basically for being human, for being normal humans Um, and then the other part of that is for me, at least I, I call myself a recovering pessimist. I used to be a very negative person and I was negative towards everything, but more than anything, I was negative towards myself. And we spent a lot of time, you know, a lot of people, they'll lay in bed at night and they'll start listing all the things they didn't get done and all the things they did wrong and all the awkward situations they could have handled better. And so I write in my book and I talk a lot about the practice of giving yourself more credit than criticism and more grace than judgment. And the minute you start really putting that into practice and laying in bed at the end of the day, instead of focusing on the negative going, what did I accomplish today? You know, what did I do right today? Mm. And I also think there's a fine line between holding ourselves accountable and beating ourselves up. And when you can learn that line, then you can really sort of accept who you are because hold yourself accountable Meaning, I want to do better. I did make a mistake, and I do want to do better in that area. But don't beat yourself up. Don't pile on the guilt and the unnecessary shame. Because feeling like a loser has never helped anyone thrive in life. So accept, I'm a human being who makes mistakes. I want to do better. Not, I'm a piece of crap who will never do better. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. It's this narrative that's, um, that's kind of, you know, in all of our heads that we're trying to manage on a day to day basis. So something yeah. can, something can happen like instantly, right? Um, and then what we do is it can either, you know, we can determine our experiences either in a way that empowers us or in a way that limits us. Um, and ultimately yeah. it becomes a choice. But over time, if you don't make that, that the right choice consistently, what happens is you, 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 you almost enforce or reinforce the narrative. And like mm-hmm. you, and over time, what happens is you become the victim. 
And it's like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And I know you get this, right? So, and I want, you were the victim, right? And then you transformed yourself. Um, and I want to get into that. Um, but, you know, I, I see it out there so often. It's where people uh, are victims and they play the role of the victim because they feel that it serves their highest interests. When at the end of the day, it fundamentally doesn't. So just to go back to what, um, what uh, I mentioned earlier on, like what you really do in your book um, that uh, we'll get into here, but you really did reveal how you transformed yourself from that, well, from the dark days of depression and low self-esteem to today where you really have a complete authentic sense of self and ultimately you built a life that you've manifested and that you ultimately love and it's built around, you know, unshakable um, kind of, uh, you know, being grounded in authenticity and kind of brimming with gratitude and thankfulness. And these are all kinds of things that we hear all the time that we want to aspire to. We all want to become better than we were today, uh, tomorrow, if you understand what I'm saying. So what have you learned about the power of transformation? Is it the same? Is it, is it the same for all of us? Do we have access to the same power of transformation? I absolutely believe it's possible for everyone. I'll tell you a, a quick story. I'll try to make it quick. So when I got to that point where I literally had a list that nobody knew about, it was my secret list of pros and cons of how my suicide would affect my two little children. And the list of pros, meaning my kids will be better off if I am gone, was longer than the cons. That's how bad it got. And for anybody that has struggled with that kind of self-hatred, you become completely self-consumed. Like you said, it's the whole victim. Everything sucks. Life is terrible. Everything's terrible. I am terrible. And you are just drowning in that. And there was this one night where I basically decided I'm either going to fight for my life or I'm going to take my life. And the only way I thought to fight for my life is I need to get out of this bubble that I'm in of everything's terrible and I'm terrible. And the only way to do that, I thought, is to think outside myself. I need to help somebody else. And so I start, I thought I'm going to volunteer. And maybe by helping others in need, it'll distract me from my own neediness. I started calling hospitals, homeless shelters, soup kitchens. And I got rejected from every place because I had two little kids and I couldn't afford a babysitter and I'd have to bring them along. Now, if you already feel like a loser and then you get rejected from volunteering, you are mega loser. You are the loser of all losers. And then I thought, okay, you know, that feisty side of me kicked in. And I, so I thought, okay, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to figure out a way to do this on my own. Even when I feel like I have nothing and I feel completely worthless, is there one tiny little thing I'm confident in? And the only thing I could think of is, I can cook. I can cook a great meal. And then, of course, that voice started in my head of, who cares, Christine? A lot of people can cook. You're not special. Most people know how to, you know, all that stuff we go through. And I sort of told that voice to shut up. And I wrote an email to all my contacts in my area. And I said, every Wednesday night, I'm going to feed people. Not sure how I'm going to pull it off, but every Wednesday night, I'm going to feed people. If you know someone who is struggling financially, maybe they have a lot of money, but they're just lonely. Maybe it's a college kid who's in the cafeteria, but whatever the need is. Every Wednesday, I'm going to feed people. And that first, long story short, I went to like a dollar store and bought just pasta. I basically spent a few dollars to make a big pasta dish. Nothing special. That first night, I fed over 30 people, strangers that my friends brought over. And it changed my life. After that night, I literally never again contemplated suicide. Because what I realized is even when I feel like I have nothing, 
I have something to offer. Mm. The problem with us humans is we tend to focus on who we are not and what we don't have, what we lack, what we can't do. But the minute I decided to start thinking about what can I do, I have almost nothing. I'm sleeping on a floor. I only have, you know, a few dollars to spend on this. But what can I do? I can cook a great meal on a tiny budget. And I did something with that. It brought back my work. So that's probably my main sort of starting point for anyone. Start focusing on who you are and what you can offer in this moment. Stop waiting for future moments. What can you do with what you have now? Yeah, that's um, such a great point. I actually put out a tweet similar to what you've said in sentiment, in sentiment at least. I, I was having one of those down days, which we all do. We're not uh, all rock stars as much as we like to tell the world on our social media <laughs> channels that we are. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, and I was having a bad day and I was just like, geez, so why am I so down? And I, and I became self-aware that I was in a pattern of, neg- of the negative narrative. So it's the governor. It's the person, it's the voice in your head that defines or tells you why you should be unhappy. You're the victim, basically, right? Um, and so, um, and all I did was, I was I rec- the moment I recognized it, I picked up the phone and I phoned an old friend. And I just told them that I cared about them, that I appreciated them. And the moment that I did that, my mindset went from, uh, from victim to victor, uh, in the sense that because it broke the pattern, right? It broke this pattern of being self-absorbed because it's kind of like yeah. saying, you know, it, the one way to also think about it, at least in my experience, is, is if you find yourself in a negative pattern, you've put yourself as, as you being the center of your own universe, which mm-hmm. it shouldn't be. Sometimes, yeah. yes, you have to be selfish, right? Um, at some times, right? Or assertive potentially more than, uh, uh, than selfish. But when you're not the center of the universe, it breaks the cycle, right? Because you yeah. become self-absorbed. Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? If only I could do this. If this, then that, you know, or whatever the narrative is, right? Um, and so it is all about breaking um, that pattern. And so fundamentally, it's also about sanity. And I, I love this post that you put out on Facebook about why we should value our sanity over things like perfection, achievements, grades, other people's opinions, value judgments. Um, and, you know, it's hard though, right, to hold on to our sanity. And we were talking before we went live about, uh, you know, COVID-19 and just what a crazy world that we have today, you know. Um, so how do we do this? How do we practically hold on to our sanity? I mean, I think it's different for everyone. I think you really need to figure out what you need in each moment. So that post that you're talking about on Facebook was I posted because I was going crazy trying to homeschool my kindergartner. I was literally losing my mind. And so I decided, okay, what's more important that he get all his work done and, you know, get good grades in kindergarten and it's all turning on time or me not losing my freaking mind. And so I said, you know what, we're taking a couple of days off from school because sanity for his sanity and my sanity is more important. And instead we just danced and had fun and did puzzles and, and, and had way too much screen time and who cares. So you got to figure out what you need. But then I think also part of that, especially now with the quarantine, the one thing I wrote in my book, and it's so interesting because sometimes I need to go back to my book and, and remember certain things and how I got through things in the past. One of the things I keep telling myself is do not allow the few things that are completely out of your control to control you completely. That's when we start losing our sanity. We take every little thing that's out of our control and we let us consume us. There is so much that we can still do. There's, there's, whether it's, you know, finding the good in the mess, 
whatever that means, we can focus on it. The problem is, especially when there's a pandemic like this and we're all locked up at home, we keep waiting for future moments to bring us joy. When this and this happens, then I'll be happy. When this and this happens, then I'll pursue this or that. Stop waiting for future moments to find your joy. My, I had to find my joy when I was still broke and I was still dealing with depression and a messy divorce and all that. My life didn't get better before my attitude got better. My attitude got better first and then my life got better. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, that's um, that's a great point. And to echo that, I want to um, just you're uh, beautiful. Play this, uh, you are here really good for our friend. audience. Um, I'll actually talk you did a fantastic job. Guys, if you are, um, I love how thoughtful you are. But it's entitled "Why Would Anybody you're so Make funny. This Choice?" Um, you were so reliable. You have a really good head on your shoulders. Right, so one job. You're really smart. Describing this, right? so <laughs> you one job I couldn't have done it without. I love your I love your smile. You have such kind eyes. You're such a warm person. You're so understanding. I love you. Handle that like a pro. You have the best ideas. I look up to you. I love how creative you are. You're not good enough. In our lives, or the compliments or the accolades that we've achieved, and so this is so indicative of many of us because. We kind of hold on to the narratives that limit us, as I was describing earlier. And they limit us in terms of us realizing our deepest hopes and our dreams, right? So I wanted to ask you, um, Christina, why do we make this choice? It makes no sense. I have zero answers to that. I don't know why. (laughs) And I'm done trying to figure out why. But I do know that we can train ourselves to make a different choice. And that's why I wanted to make this video so visual because I'm hoping it sticks with people. And you know, what's crazy. It's not that we just do that when others give us something negative, right? We do it to ourselves. Again, it's that mom, every mom I know, including me, that at the end of the day, instead of focusing on all the things she did do, I got up, I fed my children. I kept my, you know, house standing. I, you know, loved on my family. I answered that one email instead of that. We go, oh, I'm supposed to do that one thing. And I, I said I would organize that cabinet. I didn't organize and I'm such a loser. We focus on that one thing. I started telling parents, stop writing your to-do list and dwelling on your to-do list and start writing your ta-da list. Like, ta-da, here's what I did accomplish. So it's not just when we get negativity from others, right? We get one negative thing we hold on to. We do it to ourselves. We do it to ourselves and we have to stop. And I think of it as physical exercise, right? Don't try to stop for a day and go, oh, I tried, it didn't work. Because one sit-up is not going to do it, right? Mm. But if you continually 
exercise physically, eventually you will get in shape. I believe the same thing goes for mental, emotional, getting in shape, getting fit. Keep continuing to practice it. Keep putting that jar down that has the one negative and keep picking up the positive jar. Yeah, that's a great point because that was actually where, where I was going to go next was around how do we break the cycle? Because if you think about it, you know, exercise, it's ha- it's habitual, right? So I do CrossFit a lot. I've got like a home gym here sort of thing. Obviously not at home. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but certainly like and now I went from like, you know, one day, then three days, and now it's like every day. And so it's about also momentum, right? Um, and if you mm-hmm. don't have momentum, it's, it, it's almost, it seems impossible until you get momentum. So what you need to do is you need to recognize that you are a creature of habit, and then what you should be looking to do is kind of break the cycle, right, of the negative narrative. So it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's too cold, like it's winter here now. So it's like, oh, it's too cold to go outside to do this, or I'll do it tomorrow, or whatever it is, you know. And so um, this narrative, this negative narrative, is running through our heads. And it's like ebbing and flowing. It's like it oscillates, you know. Um, and so how do we break that habit of focusing on that kind of, you know, the negative narrative and the patterns that exist within that? I mean, I think one of the simple, basic starters is, and sometimes people even need to write it down. Sometimes it's not enough to think it. Again, as funny and jokey as it might sound, start writing the ta so if you really, there's a video I made called, I got nothing done. I don't know if you've seen it, but I'm sitting on my couch. And it's the end of the long day. And I'm like, I got nothing done today. I literally got nothing done. I'm a total loser. I cannot believe I got nothing done today. I had all these plans. And as I'm complaining how I got nothing done, you see on the side of me, a list going of all the things I actually did. Every little thing I did for each child, every little thing I did, each parent, whatever it is. And so I think it's important, even if you need to start writing it down. Start writing down your to-do list. Or for some people who have a lot of insecurities, start writing down every positive thing somebody has said to you. Start writing, you know, down every positive thing you feel about yourself. Keep those lists, whether you keep them mentally or you write them down. You need to start focusing on the positive. And my goodness, we will make the tiniest little mistake, right? Or something bad will happen in our day. And we will milk those five bad minutes. You know, you can have a great day, but five, for example, Somebody said one negative thing to you today. The rest of the day was perfect. You will call your friends. I can't believe this person said this to me. It ruined my whole day. You let it ruin your whole mood. What if we started looking for that one good thing that happened that day and milk that and just focused on that? It's all about where you put, where are you looking, right? Mm -hmm. What are you focusing on? And just, again, retraining our brain to focus on the good. I did this thing when I was trying to recover from pessimism where For one whole year, I decided every night I would write down something good that happened that day. And by the way, if you want to become more positive about yourself, you have to become more positive in general about life. Those two coexist. Hmm. So it couldn't be something I was thankful for, like, oh, I'm thankful that I'm healthy and I have a nice family. No, it had to be something good that happened that day. And during this year, I was up for this really great TD job, and last minute it fell through. Even, Even after the contract was signed, it fell through. And I had to write something good, and it was really hard. That same year, I miscarried twins. Horrible miscarriage, horrible day, painful day. I had to tell my children about it. It was just ter- just a terrible day. And I still had to find something good to write. But doing that for 365 days retrained my brain because I started going to bed with the last thing being, yes, today may have been a horrible day, 
But what is that one good thing I can find about today? And I really believe if you do it consistently, it will start changing the way you think. Mm. Yeah, positivity is a muscle. Exactly. Yeah, the more you train it, the more you focus on the positive. You know, it's like, you know, it's such a, it's a funny thing that the small things really do add up at the end of the day, right? It's like the more we do the small things every day, it's, it's like people think that, you know, if you see someone on the front cover of a magazine or if, you know, if someone came across your profile, it'd be like, oh my God, like a billion views, da 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 da, she's so successful, da 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 da. Um, and then what they don't see is all the hard work that went into it every single day to get the result. People just see the result and go, ah, I can't do that. It's beyond my yeah. reach. I'll never get that. You know, uh, and, it's and like the other problem is, yeah, if good. we're going to be honest, we humans are lazy uh-huh. and we want a quick miracle fix. You know, that's why diet pills, people sell diet. Oh, take this one pill and you're going to, you know, look perfect and do this one thing. And you're gonna, no, no, that's not how life works. But putting in that work is worth it. And the great thing about it, is that every single human can do it. I mean, I'm telling you right now, if you met me 20 years ago, in my 20s, I was the most negative, bitter, cynical human being. Nobody would have ever believed that I would become this positive, oh, I motivate people person. Mm -hmm. So if I can get there, anybody can get there. Yeah, totally, totally, totally agree. Um, Do you believe that, um, you know, I I want to talk about coaching. So people oftentimes get life coaches in business, you get business coaches, like I've had, I've had both during my experience. And I've I've had kind of, you know, mixed kind of experiences in that in that space. But what I've learned is that over time, you actually just need to be your own coach. You know, you can get perspective um, and advice from people, but no one's going to really motivate you unless you do it, right? Um, and so, and there's so much like very poor crap motivation out there. You know, it's kind of like regurgitated stuff that's that people you know look to because their lives feel to them like they that it's not worthy of expression, if that makes sense. Um, and so I wanted to kind of detour here and talk about these kind of universal feelings that we all have as human beings, right? For instance, there's the feelings of guilt, you know, reaching, uh, you know, rock bottom control issues. We've all had, you know, relationship partners like that, <laughs> or even as parents, right? Jeez, you know, trying to like, I one of the things I try and do is not control my kids <laughs> because the more I try and control them, like the more hectic I feel. You know what I'm saying? So we have doubts about our parenting. We, we have, you know, as I mentioned earlier, difficult relationships, career choices. A lot of people don't have employment now. I mean, like 800 million people in the travel industry alone in the U.S. are, are now without work. Um, and so then there's anxiety about the future. And so we all kind of deal with these emotions as human beings, you know, uh, uh, every single day. Um, and so I would describe if you were to label all of these sorts of things as a kind of suffering that we all have to endure because we are human. We're like spiritual beings having a human experience. And so I believe also, though, that um, our breakdowns are our greatest breakthroughs. Um, and so what have you learned about the relationship between finding meaning uh, in yourself and the sometimes suffering of the human experience? Well, first of all, you're right. And I think that's one of the first things we need to accept is that every human will suffer. I write in my book how every human I have ever met is broken. Everybody suffers. And just knowing that somehow 
to me at least, it brings peace. It's like, oh, I'm not some weirdo who's, you know, experiencing this thing and everybody else is living their perfect life. Everybody suffers. Um, you know, I don't like when people say that things happen for a reason. I've never really believed that. But the way I've tried to live is that things happen for a purpose. And so when I have gone through my suffering, I don't ask why, why, why. Instead, I ask how, how, how. How can I use this pain that I have gone through now to better my life, to learn something, so the next time that kind of pain comes, I'll be better prepared. But also, how can I help somebody else? How can I be that hand to hold somebody else through it? And so I think when we start asking why, why, why with the suffering, we end up sitting in it. We just end up stuck and sitting in it. But the how is more an active thing. How? What can I do? And there's, there's a lot of, um, that's very empowering, right? To, to feel that you have some sort of say that you can do something. Um, it's something that I encourage in my kids, you know, instead of dwelling on the, why am I going through this? Why did this happen? How? How can I do something with this? I don't know if you guys have the show um, Chopped. Uh, we have a this cooking show in America where basically the chefs are given a bunch of random ingredients on a tray and they have to make a meal out of it. Do you guys have anything similar to that? Uh, no, I haven't. I don't really watch a lot of TV, but um, I think we the okay. close, closest thing to that was MasterChef and something like that. Okay. So basically with this one, they literally hand them ingredients that wouldn't, that they don't want, they wouldn't go well together and they have to create something wonderful out of it. And that's kind of how I look at life. And especially now with this quarantine, it's like we're handed, some of the ingredients we're handed are great, but then there's a lot of pain and there's suffering and there's confusion and there's stress. And we have a choice. We're either going to look at all of this and just sit there and hate on it and, and complain and whine, or we're going to go, what can I make out of this? Mm. Can I still make something wonderful out of this? It's not perfect. Some of it hurts. Some of it is hard. Some of it is exhausting. But can I still make something wonderful out of it? And the answer is yes. Yes, you can. Hi there, guys. So a quick one just to say we have launched a studio line. You can now interact live with our guests either online and or using your mobile phone. The number for the studio line is plus two seven seven nine nine double four eight six three four. The number again is zero seven nine nine double four eight six three four. Add that to your phone, guys, now, and we'll be happy to take your questions live on the Map Round Show. Yeah, just a quick one uh, to detour back to your book. Um, the in the introduction, you you talk about or you use an analogy rather of soup with a fork. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, Please explain that one to us. Sure. So I I write how for me going through life without humor is like eating soup with a fork. You're still going to get a, a little bit of stuff, you know, a little bit of maybe broth or something, but you're going to miss out on so much goodness. What I've learned through all of my, you know, suffering that I've gone through is you have to have humor. To me, it, it literally is like medicine. You have to learn to laugh at yourself, at life, at the craziness. And sometimes people feel like I can't laugh about something because it's disrespecting it. And I don't believe that. I believe it's a way for us to release. It's a feeling that we need to feel. It's a healthy emotion. Just like I believe crying is a healthy emotion and we need to let it out. I feel the same way with humor. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a great, que oh, a great point because I wanted to talk about this idea of, of your message. 
Um, and so a lot of people, I would say that the protagonists, right, they would argue that my life has no, no space for humor. Like if I'm, if I'm truly suffering, right, with something like self-worth as an example, or depression, like suicide, how am I supposed to laugh at this? These are, these are fundamental things that, you know, threaten my life, you know, threaten like the things that truly matter to me, the needs that I have as a human. Um, and so, you know, we wrestle with these ideas of self-acceptance and, you know, resilience and grit and all this kind of stuff. And so I wanted to kind of, um, if you were to sum up what your message is to the protagonist, what would that message be today? As far as just allowing ourselves to feel, you mean? Yeah, just trying, like, how do we overcome, like, in other words, if you think about all the, the challenges and obstacles that we have to face as humans on a day-to-day basis, what's your message to uh, people who are suffering? I mean, there's so much, which is why I wrote the book. So I have about 230 pages of messages. <laughs> but I think the main thing that has helped me and and... I try to remember even now is no matter what you are suffering through, no matter what you are suffering through, someone else has lived it, felt it, thought it, cried it, and someone else has made it through. And so there's no reason you can't also. And that's the bottom line is we are not alone in our suffering. Someone else has walked that path. Um, And also that you have so much more power than you realize because it all starts with your perspective and your attitude. And the minute you can focus on what you have to offer instead of what you can't, the minute you can give yourself more credit than criticism and more grace than judgment, all of a sudden you're going to find your value and your worth and just that will help propel you. Great stuff. I've got a question from, I'm going to try to pronounce your name, Nkabasile Bond. She says, hi, Christina. How do you get social media to work for you? Uh, and not against you, especially with so much negativity making the rounds? Um, You need to be completely authentic without comparing or competing to what anybody else is doing because that's just going to suffocate you and it's going to strip you of your authenticity. And do not base your self-worth on comments you get, positive or negative. If I based my self-worth on all the negative things I get, I would think I was the biggest, ugliest, most horrible loser. And if I based my self-worth on all the positive praise I get, I would think I was the best thing ever and everybody should worship the ground I walk on. So don't base your self-worth on comments. If you are being authentic, if you are sharing your message in a way that feels right to you and you are putting something good into the world, it doesn't matter the comments don't matter, mm. yeah. but, you, but it's hard to get to that point. And I write in my book how I compared the negative comments and the judgment, whether it's online or in person, I compare it to suitcases. We all are carrying around a bunch of baggage. We have our work suitcase. We have our, you know, marriage suitcase. We have our to-do list, to-do list suitcase. We have our childhood trauma suitcase. We all have these suitcases we're carrying. And when someone is judging you, when someone is throwing negativity at you, they're basically taking their suitcase of misery. I don't like the way my life is. I don't like the choices I made. I don't like the unexpected stuff that happened in my life. I'm miserable. Carry my suitcase for me. And what do we do? We pick it up. I used to be like a bellhop, just carrying around everybody's luggage without even thinking, does that suitcase belong to me? So take that moment and don't think about it and don't pick up the suitcase. Because all of those negative judgments really have to do with the person 
handing you the suitcase, right? They think the pain is like dodgeball. They're going to take that ball of pain they feel about themselves and they're going to throw it at you and they think it's then out of their hands. But it's not going to work because being a crappy human will never make you a happy human. So it's not, you can't take any of that stuff personally. You have to understand that that's coming from their place of pain. Mm. Yeah, it's like um, just because you have access to a, a mobile phone with a screen, you can now say whatever you want with no repercussion. That's kind of like a scary yeah. place to put yourself, quite frankly. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I wanted to just make a comment and then a question. But, you know, my, my experience is, you know, if you think about the, the, the world of public opinion today, uh, it's oftentimes the greatest lie in the world. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, because people will always tell you what you can't do not what you can do right um and so we we, we're living in a in a kind of system that's that's hard to be i would say resilient against so how does one develop this idea of grit i mean i think we all have a little bit of it in us but like you said the world and the negativity and the criticism we received from childhood has just like you know, made us timid and sort of shut down that feistiness. Um, You know, that suitcase analogy that I mentioned, Mm. one thing that I talk about on my tour when I do my show is I tell people to think about the suitcases they were handed as children. Some, Some people were handed those suitcases of criticism and negativity and judgment from a parent. And here they are 30 years later and they're still carrying it. Well, it's hard to be feisty, right? And, and stand up for yourself when you're still carrying these suitcases. So I think first it starts with putting those things down and you need to start looking at yourself and going, what is the truth about me? And what are the lies I've been believing? What is the real story about who I am? And what are the stories that I've been told that I believed all this time that are just fiction? They don't even match. So I think it starts with that. And when you can get to that point, you can heal those wounds, those lies that you've been living and believing about yourself then you'll immediately become more confident. And then it's also a practice in authenticity. Just be who you really are. You know, as a child, I write in the book, I was told I was too much and I was too this and I was too that. And, and I was, all these negative traits were placed on me. And I realized, well, I am loud and I am hyper and I'm all these things, but I can take those negative traits and turn them into my greatest strengths. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with just learning to shut down all the voices telling us who we are and what we're worth and what we're supposed to do. Because for me, if I have been authentic, kind, and brave, I feel confident. I feel feisty. I feel like I can conquer the world. Nobody can take me down. It's that simple. Authentic, brave, kind. At the end of the day, if I've been those three, I'm happy. Yeah, that's amazing. I think um, I, I do a lot of public speaking. Or I used to before COVID. Okay, now you go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, you know, but it's like I've had so many authors and speakers on the show and everyone's kind of like, geez, we've had our entire like runway taken away. But that's a sidebar. Um, but uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, but I used, I used to, I should say I do speak to uh, students, you know, and um, I love it. You know, like I was at a school with a thousand um, sort of high school students aged between sort of 15 and 18. And um, it, it's truly remarkable to engage with the mindsets of the youth because they are the future and as parents, we're like the custodians of that future. And, you know, there's no rule book for being a parent, as you know, I th- I'm sure you'll agree with me. And it's, for me, it's the hardest job in the world, right? And when I engage with uh, kids in, in, uh, in schools, I find that 
they're living, they're trying to live up to expectations that are completely warped. You know, if you think mm-hmm. about like Instagram and timeline filters and like it's all about the selfie and how many likes am I get? I mean, it's it's nuts, right? And and, and what uh, what condition culturally is that creating, especially within the youth? And what are we going to inherit in like you know twenty years time yeah. from now? And these are some really big questions. So, in the context of expectations, how do we like recognize that these expectations? are not going to fulfill me, even if I reach them. Because they could be, you know, expectations that are given to us by our parents, by society, by our peers, by social media, or whatever the case is. And I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, that formula, that um, happy, well, expectations minus reality equals your happiness. So the higher your expectation, which, by the way, which is insane when you think about this in the context of your your intimate relationships, right? It's like, well, what are my expectations here? Why am I unhappy? And what's my reality? And when you when you play those three things off each other, you start to actually go, well, maybe I should adjust my expectations somewhat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't. I'm not going to be a perfect parent. As one of those things, yeah, I'm going to maybe mess up my kids. You know, and that's yeah. okay. Because they're not mine to control, right? I, there's nothing I'm going to do perfectly, right? Like I, no one survives their their parents. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Very few people have that experience. So uh, my question is, um, how do we break through these expectations and kind of manage this idea of like living up to my, you know, my my highest self and only to, you know, my, the expectations that serve my highest interests. I mean, for me, it started with just realizing that the expectations I set were more like a fantasy, right? We, we, we set up this fantasy when we're young about what, what type of person we're going to marry and what our marriage is going to look like. Then we get pregnant and we set up this fantasy of what motherhood and fatherhood will be like. We set up these fantasies. And what I decided is I don't, I'm going to stop chasing the fantasy because it is that it is a fantasy anything anything even close to perfection in any part of your life is fantasy stop chasing perfection and i'm going to embrace the adventure and and i label anything that is unexpected and difficult and annoying an adventure and so it starts with that realizing that the the bar you set was unrealistic unreachable in the first place so lower it. Mm. Um, I think we have such a hard time accepting what is, right? We, we just, we're constantly pining for what was supposed to be, how we imagined it, instead of just going, okay, what is? What is? And I think that's so important. And as parents, especially, the messages we send our kids are, are so powerful. And I think for us, it starts with, you know, I always say, my children will learn more from watching how I live than me telling them how to live. Mm. So when I do make mistakes, when I'm not chasing that perfection, when I do lower my expectations, they are watching that. And hopefully I am sending them a message of life is not supposed to be perfect. You are not supposed to be perfect. Start with just that. Start with just that. And then also, because of social media, we compare and we compete. And my goodness, I'm telling you right now, you will never be a happy human if you are comparing and you're competing, being a human is not a sport. It's not a sport. Stop competing with other people. This is a big world and there's room for everybody to thrive in their own way. Stop pretending it's a sport. I love that. 
I love that. Just a couple of things I'd like to say to add to that, to what you've just said. Like, life is totally imperfect. I don't understand where this idea comes from. Like, honestly, it's like, where do we... Where do we get the sense that like life's meant to be perfect and like that's what you aspire to is a perfect life? It's like it's warped. It's not reasonable to to aspire to that kind of ambition. It's the only thing that will truly, you know, rob you of your self worth and happiness at the end of the day. And just to echo what you've said around, um, you know, comparison. Like there's that. Uh, I believe that comparison is really the thief of joy at the end of the day. Yeah. It's like you know, especially now. It's like it's like well, how many downloads do you? As an example, why should I compare myself to Joe Rogan? Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's not normal to do that. The what I should be doing is comparing myself to me, who who I was the day before, and what am I better today than yesterday? Because if I yeah. do that, then I can afford myself the opportunity to be the favorite. Because I don't even want to be the best. I just yeah. want to be the favorite. Do you understand? <laughs> like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, you are a favorite amongst many of the best. Do you understand? That's what's made your chemistry connect with your audience. But it's like, no, no, we must be the best. Like, I believe competition yeah. is necessary, right? Like, we always competed. It's but like, you know, if you go back to the, the, like, you know, thousands of years ago, we were competing for survival. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We wanted to, to mate, to procreate. It's instinctive for us to compete. But while it's necessary, it shouldn't be the be-all and end-all of your uh, sort of approach to life, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And I was, I remember being interviewed once and somebody was comparing me to another, uh, I'm not going to mention their name, but another person that makes mom videos and all this stuff. And they said, ah, oh, you're just, you're so much funnier than them. And you're so much this than that. And I stopped them and I said, don't ever compliment me by putting someone else down because I'm not in competition with anyone. And it's so interesting. We do that as humans. We feel like in order to lift somebody up, we have to tear somebody else down. No, you don't. No, you don't. If you want to be in competition, be in competition with yourself. Mm -hmm. And here's the problem. When we compare and we're competing all the time, we cannot be fully authentic. Because if you are comparing and competing, then you are constantly trying, well, they're doing it this way. I should do it this way too. Well, they're, you know, they're trying this. I'm going to do that too. And you're not being authentic to your message, your personality, yourself. And if you're not being a good, if you're not being completely authentic, you can't be completely confident. And if you're not confident, which by the way, confident, confidence isn't an absence of insecurities. You can still have insecurities and be confident. Confident just means I'm not going to let those insecurities rule me. If you're not confident, you can't find true joy and peace. So it all the comparing and the competing just leads you down this misery that is completely within your control. You can control making a decision and saying I'm in my own lane. I don't need to compare myself. I have something unique to offer. I'm going to focus on that. Spend so much time and energy focusing on what you have to offer that you run out of time and energy to pay attention to, is somebody else doing it better than me? Yeah, exactly. It's this idea of the yin and the yang, right? So you're familiar with that, right? So it's kind yeah. of like as much as we have, it's, it's, it's like we will always have this push and this pull, this push and this pull between positivity and negativity as as human beings um and there's a comment here from uh Rianette Leibovitz uh on LinkedIn she says thanks for the show Matt uh, and Christina we all need to put the spotlight on practical positivity right um so can we talk about that maybe just flesh it out a bit more how do we be how does one 
be practically positive? What does that idea fundamentally mean for for us who are you know struggling to manage this dichotomy of and the, of the push and the pull between the yin and the yang of positivity and negativity? What negativity rather? What's the practical approach to all of this? So yeah, one of the things that drives me nuts is when people decide to be positive very passively Mm. or they think they're like, I'm just going to hope, I'm going to hope that things will work out while they're literally doing nothing about it. And I always think nobody is going to show up at your door, ring your doorbell and just bring you a box of positivity, bring you a box of hope. Like you actually have to get off your butt and be proactive in your own life. And so it starts with all all the things we already talked about, right? It starts with where is your focus? Is your focus on what you can do? And then are you doing that? You know, instead of just sitting and going, I hope this happens and I hope this happens. Well, what what role are you playing in here? Be, Be a proactive participant in your life. A lot of times people just sit back, you know, I don't know. I don't even, I don't even know what they're waiting for. They're waiting for somebody else to fix it all. Be active in your own life. What good can you do in your own life? Yeah. Uh, keep these uh, comments coming in, guys. You can hear them going off in the back there. Um, I wanted to kind of echo on, on what you've just said. I call it psychodrama, right? So it's like we're addicted to the – it's actually an addiction, right? Yeah. I, I'm, you, like I know you know people, right? We all know people who are just like, wow, man, it's like the drama, dude. It's just like it doesn't <laughs> stop. Like what's with this person? It's like it follows them around. <laughs> so it follows them around because they're like I would I would say in some respects they're addicted to this idea of, of psychodrama, right? Which seemingly we cannot let go of sometimes, despite you know practical positivity or whatever. And so in your book you talk about this. Um, I would describe it as a model, I guess, um, but uh, it's really a model of holding on amidst the on and off of chaos and drama while staying positive, well, staying proactive and moving forward with ideas, creativity, and change. Um, it's really inspiring as an idea. Um, can you walk our audience around the world through this idea in a little more detail? Is this a model? How does it all work? Um. Yes, I think it's a, I don't know if I'll call it a model, but I think it's just where our focus is. So let me, let me tell you a quick story I share in my book. During, I grew up in Croatia, and I was there when the war started in the early 90s. And our city, every little village around my city was occupied, and my city was being attacked. And there was all this, you know, shrapnel after each attack, just you know, that had destroyed homes, that had killed people. And this man who had, he was not an artist, he had no previous art training. He started picking up these pieces of shrapnel that literally killed people. And he started building these amazing, beautiful sculptures out of them. I mean, just stunning sculptures of mother with their child and soldiers and just beautiful stuff. And I think about that a lot when I think about this whole thing about being proactive, right? Mm -hmm. That image of picking up the peace, picking up the negativity. We're all going to have bad things happen in our life. We all are. The difference is, are you going to sit there and stare at it and just go look at this bad thing and look at this bad thing and look at this bad thing? Or are you going to let this man get up emotionally, right? Get up 
and start picking up those pieces and what can what good can I create out of this? Can I create purpose? Can I create healing? Can I create kindness? Can I bring something good into the world? It's that kind of sort of getting off our butt instead of just staring at it and building, 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 building something beautiful. Amazing stuff. Cool. I'm going to just hit a whole bunch of questions here because otherwise I get into trouble. Um, so this one's from Clara. Damn. I got Clara. She says, watching you on the ambush cook was amazing. Will you return to a TV series in the future? Oh my gosh. Um, you know what? I always said that I would only do a TV series if I got to be completely myself because when I was doing the ambush cook, I had to be a perfect cook in a perfect kitchen, the perfect life. And I felt like a fraud. So if anybody would allow me to be the messy, flawed, crazy, sometimes an appropriate person, I will do it. But I have to be authentic. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff. Um, Then this one's from uh, Simon says, you have amazing, what? You have amazing, funny videos, but also videos that are truly thought provoking as well. What's your thought process when coming up with this kind of stuff? You know what, honestly, it again, it sounds so simple, but it's the thing that drives me. I mentioned at the beginning, I just want to be for others what I needed when I was at my lowest. Even now, I mean, it's not, life is not perfect, like we said, so I have bad days now. And a lot of times I think, what did I need to hear? What do I need to hear? And so it always just comes from my own stuff. I still struggle. I still get stressed. I still get exhausted. I still let my insecurities get in the way. So it all comes from, I guess, being human and and being honest about the stuff I struggle with. And I always think if I'm struggling with it, somebody else is struggling with it. We're never alone in our struggles. Mm -hmm. Even though it feels that way, right? Jeez. Yes. and And that's why I wish social media, I wish people would be more honest and less filtered. I'm not even talking about the face filters. Filter yourself all you want. I don't care. But don't filter who you are at your core. Don't filter your struggles. Because think about it, if everybody was honest and shared the stuff they're really going through, we could literally save lives. Because when you talk to those people, or if you had talked to me when I was suicidal, I would have told you nobody understands. I'm in so much pain. There is no way anybody understands. The reason I didn't realize somebody else would understand is because I was going like this. I was hiding it. I was holding it. I was portraying different things to different people because I wanted to hide. I was shamed. I was so ashamed of my pain and my struggles. And I think if we all just stop doing this and open up more and are honest on social media, we could literally save lives. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm going to take one more question and then we've got to wrap up, guys. Uh, this one's from Adam on Facebook. He says, how do you, or how do you, Christina, simplify your focus? Gosh, my focus is not simple. Um, <laughs> you know what? At the end of the day, I, I, just, I just want people I mean, this is going to sound so cheesy. I hate cheesy. This is going to sound really cheesy. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But I just Be want the cheese. Yeah, here's the cheese. I just want people to realize how amazing they actually are. I mean, we are. The world is beating us up. We're beating ourselves up. Some of us have parents who beat us up. I'm talking about emotionally. And there is just, when you can tap into that good that you have to offer, that unique goodness that you have to offer and everybody has it. 
I mean, that's my goal. I just want to, I, I literally want to grab every human being and look them in the face and go, do you know how incredible you are? Do you know how much you actually accomplish? Do you know how much you can accomplish if you just stop believing the lies that are going in your head about what you're worth? I get very excited. <laughs> no, good. Good. That's exactly it, right? So maybe that's where, where we should, I always ask this, this question, Christina, but why do you do what you do? Like what gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, every story I've ever heard when I meet people on one of my shows or every time I've read it, I could cry right now, or every time I've read an email from somebody who is suffering, um, someone who's hurting, someone who's in pain, that's what drives me. And, and I can't even read all my emails. I can't read all my, you know, Instagram messages. I have a goal where I try to read five a day. I try to respond to five a day. And I'm telling you almost every day, at least one of those five will be somebody who is hurting. They're hurting. They're in so much pain. And so that's what gets me up in the morning and goes, okay, can we reach one more person? Can we just encourage one more person? Can we just get one more person to stick around and fight for their life? Well, this is crazy stuff, man. Super inspiring. Uh, let's do our final segment, uh, gifts from the Matt Brown Show. So, uh, Christina, you're going to give away a book, I believe? Yes! My book, Hold On But Don't Hold Still. Hold on, but don't hold still. Uh, cool. So uh, all you guys need to do is either tweet me or um, send me a mail. First one to email me. Let's do it that way. Hello at mattbrownshow.com. Uh, we'll pass on the details to you, Christina, and then uh, we can take it from there. Great stuff. So thank you. Send me the name because I'll, I'll personalize it. Are you going to? Oh, amazing. Okay, well, there you go. Fantastic. And then don't forget, guys, you can get your copy of this year's book. It's mine. Uh, number one Amazon bestselling book. You're in a game on my website, mapbrownshow.com. So, Christina, thank you. You've been incredible, truly inspiring. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you influence the lives of the next billion people and to all of you (laughs) that's a crazy statement right um it should make you nervous because if it's not big enough then (laughs) that's how why you're not nervous right so (laughs) but anyway guys thank you so much for all of you joining live as well Um, and don't forget uh, please join join the studio line number as well it is up on the screen and on the show notes so we'll see you all again soon cheers Thanks for listening to The Matt Brown Show, guys. Don't forget, you can catch me on all social media platforms for the latest updates, news, and a show history. So if you've been catching this on the podcast, please head on over to our YouTube channel and pound that subscribe button. It would be great to catch the video version there. And if you want a free copy of my number one Amazon bestselling book, You're in a game for free right now today. You can grab that on mattbrownshow.com forward slash ebook. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients 
clients. Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.